said goodbye, packed my things and hit the door. I jumped into my truck and headed to the liquor store. A bottle of Jack, a case of Pearl, and a pack of cigarettes. And I tell you right now, brother, I hold ass with no regrets. Come on, radio, howdy, howdy, everybody. Cable Smith welcoming each and every one of you into episode 615 of SCI's Lone Star Outdoor Show. Presented by the good folks over at Mossberg Firearms. It is a pleasure, a treat, an honor to be here talking, hunting, fishing, the great outdoors, and all that implies. So thanks for dropping by today. I do appreciate each and every one of you. Um, it's been a crazy last couple of weeks. Still banned on Instagram. Yeah, the page with 145,000 followers gone in the middle of the night couple i guess it's been almost three weeks ago now and uh no <laughs> no communication whatsoever from instagram no accountability i never broke their rules uh it's all just the most flimsiest of thing I, it's the most crazy thing ever that's ever happened to me just canceled silenced uh on the pretense that pictures of deer at feeders are violent and harmful Mind-blowing, right? Uh, the response from the outdoor community, I, I still haven't put the call to action out, but I have not been impressed. Uh, really, it seems like uh, everyone's in it for themselves. Then that sucks to say that, but that's the vibe I'm getting. We'll see. Uh, I'm going to give it another week, and if we go a whole month and get nothing from Instagram, then I'll just say it is what it is, and, and I will ask friends to help me. Um in whatever capacity I think that they can. We'll see what that is. Um, anyway, it isn't it isn't me crying over spilled milk. Like I've said previously, this S only flows one direction, and guess what? It's going to end up in all of our laps. And you could say, well, hey, Cable, don't get on social media. And I could just say, yeah, that's great, and life was better before social media. No doubt about it. I grew up in a better time and place than my kids, 100%. But... If you're trying to run a business in America in 2022, you have to dance with the devil. There's no way around it. And that's really the, the crappiest part of the whole situation is what, what other alternative do we have? I'm thankful for places like Go Wild um, where we can, as sportsmen and women, get on a platform like that and not be filtered, not be censored. But you still have to reach the masses. And uh, unfortunately, Facebook and Instagram own all of that. And they own us, apparently, because you have no recourse. So we'll see what happens. Uh, fingers crossed for the 2022 midterm elections. I'll leave it at that. What's on the show for today? Well, let me tell you all about it. So you know what to do. Uh, pull up that stool a little closer to the old campfire. Pour yourself another cup of that black rifle coffee out of granddaddy's beat-up old Stanley Thermos because we are ready to rock and roll. We've got some interesting stuff coming out of the firearm industry, unprecedented really, as uh, one manufacturer is being held accountable for a mass shooting. Never happened before in this country. Uh, it's like saying, hey, a drunk driver killed me with the car that you made. Now they're responsible. You, the manufacturer of said car. Not the person behind the wheel. <laughs> It's insanity, and it sets a horrible precedent. Uh, but we're going to get into that here in just a minute. And uh, and then a very special guest, one of 
my favorite uh, follows on social media, going back to the devil, uh, the Hunter Chef, Michael Hunter, our good friend, will jump on from Toronto, Canada. And uh, we will talk about lockdowns. If you've been paying attention to the Freedom Convoy, man, those truckers are dug in and they're doing the Lord's work, despite the fact that uh, Trudeau this past week came out as uh, let it, he let his true colors show. He's a complete fascist, freezing their bank accounts, insanity, canceling their insurance because of their peaceful protest. I don't see anybody burning buildings, looting, rioting. I don't see any violence. No. It's a bad look for the left, both here in the United States and obviously in Canada. I mean, freezing their bank accounts? You you don't have the authority to do that. It's a peaceful protest. <laughs> two plus two equals five, though, right? As uh, Orwell taught us. But I digress. Um, that's not all we're going to do with Michael. Uh, but as a business owner in Toronto, uh, as he owns the Antler kitchen and bar, uh, wild game establishment there in Toronto. Uh, his business has been affected by these mandates big time. Uh, we'll talk about that. We'll talk about his uh, his book, The Hunter Chef. Um, lots of great wild game recipes in there. We'll get into a little elk hunting. He enjoyed his first elk hunt in Colorado this year. How to get his meat home, uh, that's an interesting story in and of itself. What about the uh, the dirty kind of devious underbelly of the restaurant industry um well i certainly had a swim through there for almost well six seven years in college i had a very illustrious college career let me tell you uh but bartending waiting tables first job in the service industry was as a a cook a line cook in a a restaurant it's a seedy industry and you can get burned out we'll see if michael ever got to that point um, we'll recap our time in Vegas, uh, where we actually got to meet in person at the SCI convention a couple weeks ago, all that and much more. I think we might even talk some spring Turkey, who knows what else, but, uh, certainly looking forward to having one of my favorite wild game chefs join the show today. That's what we're going to get into. How about a, uh, a quick giveaway? Uh, I've got, uh, Michael, uh, he's agreed to give away a signed copy of his book. The Hunter Chef's cookbook, and uh, this thing's awesome. Like I said, if you don't if you don't win today, you need to pick one up regardless. But uh, just email the word venison. That's venison to Lone Star Outdoors Show at gmail.com. We'll get you entered into today's giveaway. Let's knock out a quick break. Up next, doesn't look good for the future of gun makers in America. That's coming at you right here on SCI's Lone Star Outdoor Show. Hey guys, Cable here, and last year was a wild year for censorship. It's only continuing in 2022 uh, for us hunters and anglers. So I've partnered with the social media platform Go Wild to combat mainstream social media censorship go wild was built by outdoorsmen and women by hunters and anglers just like you it's a free social community not only are your photos not censored they're encouraged imagine that go wild gives you points for things like sharing your trophies gear reviews and inviting friends as you earn points you unlock awesome rewards too such as gift cards free swag knives huge discounts on brands like garmin and vortex and so many more oh and if you create a free account, you get 10 bucks to the store just for trying it out. 
Visit DownloadGoWild.com to get started, and I'll see you over there. Cable here, and if you're like me, you probably enjoy bold flavors and cuisines. And nobody does Cajun and Creole better than Chris's Specialty Foods in Frisco. Their forte includes specialty sausages, boudins, and andouille, pre-cooked soups, gumbos, and sides, where all you have to do is heat it up. What about high-quality steaks, smoked and fried turkeys, turduckins, and turduckin rolls for the holidays, plus gift boxes. Storefront conveniently located off Dallas Parkway in Frisco, or shop online at chrisespecialtyfoods.com and have it delivered to your door. Just an old double barrel 12, stock is cracked and kicks like hell. There's a very own Aaron Lewis, Granddaddy's Gun, bringing us back on SCI's Lone Star Outdoor Show, presented by Mossberg Firearms. We're about to get into some concerning news coming out of the firearm industry. But before we do that, this segment brought to you by SCI, the worldwide leader in big game conservation. They put their money where their mouth is, both here in North America and across the globe. So if you are passionate about conservation and protecting those rights as a hunter, then join our ranks. You can find us at safariclub.org. All right, so uh, this week we saw Remington settle with the families of the kids that were killed at Sandy Hook. Of course, terrible tragedy, um, 20 kids and uh, some teachers. I don't remember how many teachers. One of the worst mass shootings in American history. Tragedy, no doubt. Okay, that being said, Remington and their four insurers this week agreed to pay out $73 million in damages to the families of the victims. This is the first time in history that this has ever happened in the United States where a firearm manufacturer was held liable for the deaths of people that were killed with their product. And there's actually a law in the books, the Protection of Lawful Commerce and Arms Act. Uh, This is from 2005. It protects firearm manufacturers in this country from this exact thing meaning they can't be sued. If someone kills your uncle, your brother in a robbery, or if some sicko goes into a uh, an elementary school and, and starts shooting kids, the firearm manufacturers are protected. But in April of 2021, Biden was very vocal on the fact that he wants that overturned. He wants gun manufacturers to be held liable for crimes committed with their firearms. That's like saying, um, okay, well, a drunk driver killed my family member, but now I'm suing the automobile manufacturer. <laughs> like, guns don't shoot themselves any more than a car turns itself on and drives itself, right? So anyway, Biden said he wants to do away with this act, and he hasn't been able to do that yet. Uh, But the pressure that he's putting on can't go unnoticed. I mean, right now we've got H.R. 
28-14. This is a bill. Uh, it's called the Equal Access to Justice for Victims of Gun Violence Act. And it sits in the House committee as they are, well, they're going to vote on it, I guess, coming up here in 2022. But specifically, the bill repeals the Protection of Lawful Commerce in Arms Act, which we just talked about, which prohibits civil actions against a firearm or ammunition manufacturer, seller, importer, dealer, or trade association for damages resulting from the criminal or unlawful misuse of a firearm. This is insanity, people. Um, now, why did Remington agree to pay the $73 million? I, I don't know. Maybe it's because they are just coming out of bankruptcy and they figured that would be cheaper than this thing being locked up in court for who knows how long. What ground did the families of the uh, Connecticut shooting have to stand on? Like, we already know the previous bill from 2005 protects Remington, but the Sandy Hook families took this thing to trial. Um, well, I'll just read an excerpt from this article here. Although federal law usually protects U.S. gun makers from liability, the Connecticut families argued the way Remington marketed the gun used in the killings violated the state's consumer law and prioritized profits over public safety. Huh. So anyway, this settlement will mark the first time that damages of any magnitude are awarded against a U.S. gun manufacturer based on a mass shooting. Why do I care? Well, it's pretty easy to connect the dots. This really could be the beginning of the end for big firearm manufacturers in the United States. That's why Biden is so passionate about doing away with or repealing the 2005 Protection of Lawful Commerce and Arms Act, which gives firearm manufacturers immunity from mass shootings and crimes committed with their product. Again, is a gun going to fire itself? No. No more than a car is going to drive itself. This is insanity. It is targeting firearm manufacturers. And with the lame duck president, which Biden has proven to be, if you don't believe me, just look at his approval ratings. Uh, but I think he's swinging for the fences here, and he knows this is really his only play to try to appease the people that voted for him based on his promise of uh, stricter gun control. So taking a big shot at firearm manufacturers, and who knows how this will play out in the future. If they do get the, uh, the repeal done through the uh, Equal Access to Justice for Victims of Gun Violence Act, which currently is tabled, uh, it's been referred to the Subcommittee on Crime, Terrorism, and Homeland Security, which they will, I guess, resume discussing that here uh, in 2022. But yeah, if, if that repeal goes through before the midterm elections, then we're going to have big problems because, and, and hopefully it won't, and hopefully we'll see a red wave in November like we've never seen before. Uh, people standing up for freedom and for the Second Amendment and for civil liberty in this country. Jeez, if anything, if, if we've learned anything over the last two years, it's that the far left wants to control us. That's their end game. How complicit will you sheep be? That's how they look at us. Like, like we're complete idiots 
incapable of thinking for ourselves, and the ones who do think for themselves are dangerous to the greater good. <laughs> uh, don't be a sheep. Be a wolf. That's my advice. And uh, hopefully these firearm manufacturers, God bless them, um, will not be held liable for things that are out of their control. It's, an, it's absolutely mind-blowing. Fix mental health. Fix the education system. And then maybe you won't have sickos out there shooting up schools. And again, I'm not trying to be callous to the, the Sandy Hook families. I, I, every day I drop my kids off at school, and that thought crosses my mind. I think it does every parent, right? Something terrible could happen, but that doesn't mean that the firearm manufacturer should be held responsible. And in wrapping this up, I'm sure Remington had a litany of reasons why they agreed to settle. Very disappointing, though, from someone as an as an observer. Like, they didn't have the stomach for the fight? I mean, you just caved, right? And, and again, maybe it's because they were such an easy target trying to recover from a, a very public uh, bankruptcy situation. So maybe that had something to do with it, but it sets a terrible precedent either way. Uh, so that's the latest on the firearms industry here in 2022. Okay, uh, we are going to take a break and shift gears. That segment brought to you by Mossberg Firearms and the 940 Pro Waterfowl. It's what I used all duck season. You can shoot it 1,500 times before you have to clean it. I absolutely love that feature, right? Who wants to clean their guns more than they need to? Not me. Uh, so check it out. It's the 940 Pro Waterfowl. You can find it at Mossberg. Dot com. Coming up next, our old friend and one of my favorite wild game chefs, Michael Hunter, stops by on SCI's Lone Star Outdoor Show. Okay, we'll hear for Big and J Whitetail Attractants. Few things are more enjoyable than to watch the kids put out the Big and J BB squared and then start beating dad up to look at his cell phone. Why? Because they want to see what bucks are coming to eat the Big and J. You can find their entire lineup of Whitetail Attractants at BigandJ.com. Tactical Skeleton Firearms specializes in custom AR-10 firearms. They're best known for their AR-10 308 pistols. Also dual caliber AR-10 rifle systems and dual caliber AR-15 takedown pistols. Tactical Skeleton specializes in custom Cerakoting engraving, and they'll custom laser cut the foam insert inside your hard gun case. They'll also take on any exotic caliber build offered on the AR-10 or AR-15 platform. Precision machining and hand-built quality guaranteed by a lifetime warranty? Who does that? Get free shipping on your order when you visit TacticalSkeleton.com today. There's something nostalgic about the old-timey general store, and that's exactly what you're going to find in downtown Goldwave, Texas, at the Mills County General Store. They're licensed FFL with rifle, pistols, and shotguns, ammo, gun accessories, hunting accessories, deer, corn, and attractants, sporting goods. They've got a wide array of knives to choose from, plus insulated apparel for both work and camo for hunting season fishing supplies they've got foods like anchor tea grass-fed beef dublin sodas gourmet sauces and a whole lot more also ace hardware from wall to wall they have it all check it out the mills county general store right there in goldweight texas 
Yeah, when I look south and see the storm clouds roll On their way from old Mexico I don't want to be alone And the rays fly through my shiner bottle Make me want to turn the key and put down the throttle One of my all-time favorites there Jason Bowling brings back on SCI's Lone Star Outdoor Show, presented by Mossberg Firearms. Cable Smith, riding shotgun with you as always. We're about to check in with one of my favorite wild game chefs and generally just uh, an overall great dude in the form of Michael Hunter. But first, this segment brought to you by Vortex Optics. And you know, I was looking back over my 2021 hunting season and I keep thinking about this as I'm sitting there in the elk woods in New Mexico, 10,000 feet in elevation, God's country, bulls firing off. I know he's coming. I range the tree with my Vortex Impact rangefinder. Boom, 40 yards. Here comes the bull. Let that arrow fly, as I've talked about on the show. Smacks him right where I wanted to be horizontally. But vertically, a little high, right? I mean, you've heard me talk about it. So I'm just thinking about next year. And in that situation, what would I do different? Because the bull was clearly well in front of the tree. You know, for me, I just, I couldn't tell. He was to the right of the tree. I thought he was even with it. And that made all the difference. So maybe next year, I'll just risk getting busted and uh, make sure I get that read on the animal itself. And talk to lots of people there's I guess there's really no right or wrong answer but I don't want to have that experience again so I, I suppose I'll just take the uh that impact out and and range the bull and if he blows out of there it is what it is uh, but you can find that impact by the way light weight and it won't hurt your pocketbook I think it retails for under uh, under 200 bucks you can find it at vortexoptics.com uh, with that being said let's bring him on right now one of my favorite folks to visit with in the outdoor community and uh, a wild game chef extraordinaire, Michael Hunter, joining us from Toronto, Canada. Thanks for being here, man. Thank you for having me. It is my pleasure. We finally got to uh, we got to meet in Las Vegas. We've done uh, a couple of these Zoom calls over the last couple of years and yeah. uh, got to actually hang out. And we actually already taped this interview. <laughs> so yeah uh and then we had an ice storm here a few you know 10 days ago or so and uh, yeah. i was literally editing mm-hmm. and uh we lost we didn't lose power like we did last year for like yeah. days and days but it just flickered yeah. on and off and it shut my computer down and everything was lost and that oh uh, man that's such a bummer <laughs> yeah, well, sorry it, to hear that <laughs> in almost 15 years of doing this that's happened like twice so yeah it does happen that's funny uh, yeah so and it sucks too because i feel like that interview was just like gold it, we we talked about a lot of weird, well so nice just to actually you know meet in person and um yeah. you know i think i think uh you know people have more of a connection when they're face to face i think so yeah um, and i went to your uh you did a uh a talk on your your book the hunter chef cookbook which right. you know one of the things we talked about was what was it like trying to promote a new cookbook when everyone's locked down because you released this thing <laughs> smack dab in the middle of COVID. Yeah. You know what? It, in the very, you know, when it first came out, I was a little heartbroken just because I had planned so much to do. I was planning to go visit friends across 
Canada and the U.S. Um, and and cook at their restaurants, do a series of book dinners, and you know, really, you know, that you know, a cooking aspect was going to be part of my book tour. Um, so that was all canceled, which is a bit of a bummer. But the cool thing was that so many people are stuck at home and now needed a cookbook or wanted to try new recipes or were at least open to trying new recipes. Um, so it did, you know, the book did really, really well. Um, you know, for the restaurant, for us, it, it gave us a product to sell that was, you know, shelf stable, <laughs> which was good. Um, you know, we haven't really done much merch or anything like that ever before. So um, it was a really great tool for us. You know, we could order 500 books and, you know, not have to worry about them going bad, like all of our food. So, right. um, yeah, you know, it was, it was a really great tool. You know, we made, we, we got some antler hats made and um, we'd been working with a company doing our own maple syrup, which was kind of cool. So we kind of created a line of merchandise that we could then sell um, that was all, you know, shelf stable, which was, you know, uh, it just kind of gave us, you know, I think the entrepreneurial spirit really, you know, kicks in with people that, you know, want to fight and survive in times like yeah. that. So, you know, it, uh, it gave us a new set of tools and, uh, you know, now I've got my own website and we ship and sell and, um, you know, so some, there definitely was a silver lining. We sold a lot of cookbooks in Canada and the U S um, you know, my publisher was really happy, and, um, you know, greenlit, uh, you know, kind of a sequel. So now I'm working on number two. So what is the hardest part about the, uh, cookbook? And I'm asking because, you know, someday maybe I'd like to do one. I'm not a, a professionally trained chef by any yep. stretch of the imagination. I mean, far from it, but uh, I do love yep. cooking and I love sharing my, my recipes yeah, and, um, that's what it's about for me. It's like, I take all my photos with my phone. Right. Yeah. And, uh, well, mm -hmm. actually I make my wife cause I, I pose them and then, you know, or, or I have her bring <laughs> her, her some light over. <laughs> she gets really annoyed, but wife. she knows no, she doesn't eat <laughs> yeah. until my photo is taken. So, <laughs> Uh, yeah. our, imagine... our wives could uh, relate and, and complain <laughs> about us i'm sure <laughs> right right um and, and these photos that i take are they're not quality enough for you know they're fine for social media but they're not they're not uh, yeah well you know that, the new iphone now uh the photos are pretty up there you know in terms of quality um uh -huh. and you know digital camera like you know if you have an eye and a and a passion for photography it's like learning a new skill you know it's something that you know not I'm, you know, I'm sure that takes a little bit of natural talent, but everyone needs to practice. Right. And, mm -hmm. uh, you know, a lot of these cameras, the automatic modes and things are pretty good um, and pretty easy to learn. Um, yeah. So I actually, I took a lot of the photos for the first one myself, uh, just because I like photography. I took some classes in school and, um, you know, it's sort of a passion of mine, but um, I was really lucky that my, my business partner at the restaurant is actually also a photographer. Uh -huh. So he helped with, um, I ended up taking a lot of the outdoor landscape, um nature photography and he took a lot of the inside plated stuff so okay it worked okay. out really well um but the photos and the cooking are the fun part the the hard part is sitting down and writing the actual recipe and the method and it all has to be in this you know every recipe has to be the same format and formula of how you actually write it down um and i thought the publisher would you know my editor would do all that i, I sent her she wanted mm -hmm. five sample recipes and she said she wrote back like, you know, 30 pages of notes to, to work on for it. And I was like, oh, my gosh, <laughs> I am like screwed. So I think this one I'm definitely going to maybe hire uh, an intern or, a, you know, a, a student or something to help me actually enter the information into the computer <laughs> because, yeah, uh, yeah I, 
I'm a bit archaic in terms of my speed of typing and stuff. Like it's not my skill. So right, right. No, we yeah. are. I, my my first real job was at as a uh, and I told you this. Um, so Earl worked in the kitchen. Yeah, yeah. as a Canadian chain, and yeah. we had one in Dallas. And my first job, I played yeah, Earl's is a fun spot. Oh, the it was culture great. Is really cool. Yeah. And I was the guy that worked in like the the uh, wood burning oven and flipping pizzas oh, well. and like cooking That's ribs. And stuff. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah. But that was like where I first saw the um, like the underbelly of the right. of the uh, restaurant the industry. Industry <laughs> and and like Anthony Bourdain wrote about like that. That's mm-hmm. real life. It's a uh, it can be a dark and seedy place. A lot of fun at times. Yeah. But yeah, man, it's uh, doing that. Yeah, full time for as many years as you've done it. I don't. Know, that seems like it would wear on someone. Um, it totally does, and I think everybody, you know, goes through it in their own way. And some places are, you know, better than others. Um, you know, Antler the way it is right now. We're a very small kind of family-run place. Uh, our staff are, you know, our management team and stuff are a bit older, and because we're so small, it's not such of a huge party. Um, where you know the bigger, like I. The first restaurant I, I worked at in Toronto, you know, coming from the country, working in country, you know, inns and B&Bs and stuff like that and golf courses and stuff. And then coming to the city, working in this great big restaurant, there's tons of young people. It's just a big party after work. And Oh, my um, gosh. You know, we would like literally it, wait uh, tables, try to, you know, make enough money to go to the bar. Yeah. And then spend all of our tips Blow at the it. bar. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I know. I wasted so much money. <laughs> oh, my God. As a kid, you know, in my 20s. And I look back now and I just should have been saving some of that money. Right. But, um, you know, yeah, it, it takes its toll on a lot of people. A lot of people burn out and, and you know, develop problems. And, you know, myself included, I, I uh, think when I was 28, I actually stopped drinking for about five years just to kind of get it together because, uh I was very high functioning, but like, you know, like you said, you know, we'd go out at midnight, uh, you know, try and catch the last two hours at the bar. And, um, you know, and then you got to go uh, so hard because you got to make up for all that time. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so, you know, I, I burnt out and, you know, hit the fan in my personal life. And, uh, and you know, uh, my dad doesn't drink. So I kind of talked to him and, and uh, you know, it was a way to, it, it actually brought my dad and I a lot closer together. Yeah. Um, but yeah, no, I, I, I gave up drinking for, for five years. And, you know, it was great. I, I enjoyed it. I lost a lot of weight. I saved a lot of money and I, I you know, got, I got my head, you know, put back on so my shoulders. And, that brings up an interesting question. Why did you decide to, to try it again? Um, so when I opened Antler, I was, um, I felt really left out and kind of, like kind of irresponsible that I didn't know what was really happening on the cocktail and wine side of my restaurant. It was, it was a really weird feeling not being a part of that. Um, and, uh, it, it really bothered me. I felt left out, but I also felt like, it, you know, I should know what's going on. So I would, you know, study the notes and written material about, you know, what the cocktails we were creating and, and wines that we were serving. But um, it bothered me. And yeah. um, when we actually first opened, I had, uh, I had, I think it was probably the stress and anxiety of, of opening a restaurant, but I couldn't sleep. So for six months, uh, at least six months, I was having, um, you know, some serious sleeping problems. Um, and I was trying, you know, I 
everything the doctor would give me, I would try and that didn't Everybody work. open a restaurant. It's awesome. Yeah. <laughs> it's the most stressful thing. You know, you work uh, 60 hours a week and no days off and everything breaks and electrical and plumbing issues. And it's, it's such a headache. Um, but uh, a friend of mine actually um, has Tourette's and he recommended medical cannabis. And it was right before it was legalized in Canada. And I don't like to smoke it. I've, I've never really been a big smoker. It doesn't, I don't react well to it. Um, but he said, you know, he, he uses these oils when he has, you know, attacks, or I'm not sure what he calls them. I forget uh, episodes. Um, he uses these oils and it really calms him down. And, and um, you know, there's specific strains, I guess, for sleep. And I, so I actually saw a doctor, there was a clinic that was offering, um, you know, these types of, I guess it was legalized for medicine, but not you know, personal use yet at that point in Canada. Mm-hmm. Um, so I actually started using these oils to sleep and it was great. And it took a little trial and error to figure out, you know, the right kind of dose. And it was really just a couple drops under my tongue at night. And I would just, I would just knock right out. And, um, so what I kind of learned was I wasn't, you know, abusing this substance the way that I did alcohol. And I thought, okay, well, if uh, I can use this responsibly, which is technically a drug, um, you know, maybe I could, uh, I could, I could, you know, drink responsibly at my restaurant just to feel like I was a part of what was going on. Yeah. Um, so I just experimented with it. You know, I would try, uh, try the cocktails, you know, out of a straw and, uh, just to get the flavor of things. Um, and, um, yeah, it just, it, I was able to, you know, responsibly start drinking again and it, you know, uh, I was just kind of really careful and I monitored it and I actually had like a log sometimes and, you yeah. know, we'd go for dinner and I would just have one, you know, I had to set up roles for myself. And I think just as I got older, you know, I matured, my friends matured and, you know, my priorities changed and um, yeah, it's, it's really, uh, you know, 37 now and it's, it's really a non-issue. And, you know, yeah. at this point, if I, if I have too many drinks, um, you know, I don't sleep well. I need Advil and Tums by my bed. Like, it's just, I don't oh. like being hungover. So it's yeah. awful. Right? Like, uh, it was actually really Hangovers neat going will to Vegas. put you down for like two days now oh, instead of awful. like a, a, a morning. It's awful. You know? It's, yeah. Uh, and even, uh, you know, even in Vegas, you know, where, where we met up, I was, uh, I was the first night I was there. It's a three hour time change for us. So it was like midnight, 1230 for me. And it was 930 in Vegas. I was in bed. Like, I'm like, I'm yeah. done. <laughs> um, so it was a very different uh, experience for me. You know, I've been to Vegas on bachelor parties and, and for a wedding once, but um, yeah, it was very, very different going for work. And uh, you know, for a party standpoint, it was uh, pretty low key. You know, we had a couple of nice dinners and uh, the last night we went out and played some cards and, and uh, yeah, it was pretty chill. Let's do this. Let's take a quick break. We'll come back and we'll get into what it's been like living in and trying to operate a business in Toronto that still to this day has some of the most draconian COVID-19 lockdown policies in place. Uh, Maybe that's why you came to the States four or five times this hunting season from uh, Texas deer and hog hunting to Colorado elk. We'll discuss it all next here on SCI's Lone Star Outdoor Show. That segment Brought to you by NUMA Outdoors and the Alpha Vertex system. If it's uh, above 40 degrees, I mean, this is what I lived in this fall, what I'll be wearing uh, for the early part of spring turkey, guarantee you that. If you got the pants, jacket, even a vest, it is quiet, it is durable, and it is extremely comfortable. It comes in the uh, Kaza camo pattern. You can find it as well as NUMA's entire lineup right there at NUMAoutdoors.com. Oh, and you'll save 20% if you use that promo code LONESTAR20 at checkout. 
We'll be right back on the Lone Star Outdoor Show. Hey y'all, Chris Letzinger, online sales manager at Cinnamon Creek Ranch here, reminding you we're not your typical archery club. We're a one-of-a-kind archery facility with indoor and outdoor ranges, a full pro shop, and six different 3D courses. Cinnamon Creek was designed by hunters for hunters. Located in Roanoke, Texas, we have over 200 3D targets to hone your archery skills. Call 817-439-8998 or visit us at cinnamoncreekranch.com to visit our new online store. That's cinnamoncreekranch.com. Let's face it, guys. We all would love to own land, right? But they're not making any more of it. However, there's a solution. Lone Star Ag Credit has been helping its borrowers finance their own piece of paradise for over 100 years. Whether you want it for recreating, ranching, fishing, hunting, or just to get the hell out of Dodge for the weekend, visit Lone Star Ag Credit today to start making that dream a reality. If only the good die young, I might live forever. trying to go to church some, but I keep getting intercepted by the ball game on TV or Zepco 303 didn't Peter fish for me. little smooth Max Stalling bringing us back on SCI's Lone Star Outdoor Show presented by Mossberg Firearms if only the good die young I'm Cable Smith Thank you for dropping by today as we are still visiting with our good friend, the Hunter Chef, Michael Hunter. But before we get back into uh, that conversation, this segment of the show brought to you by Rustic Reminders Taxidermy with locations in Marion and San Antonio, Texas. Josh and Becky Gunther have been taking care of all of my trophy needs for a long, long time, over 10 years. They do amazing work. They answer the phone when you call. Imagine that. It's a rare air for taxidermists these days, so it seems. But, um, yeah, they also offer relatively quick turnaround time. So I'm not saying you're going to get your buck back in three months, but uh, certainly within nine months, a year, you're going to end up with that trophy that you're probably going to display on your wall, and it's going to outlive you. (laughs) What are my kids going to do with all these mounts, I wonder? Uh, That'll be their problem. But anyway, check them out. GR. The number 8mounts.com. Moving right along here, uh, let's go ahead and jump back into that conversation with the Hunter Chef. Coming from Toronto, where everything is still locked down, and we yeah. we've, we we talked about this on my Justified Pursuit podcast, like yep. what it was like for just even your son, like mm-hmm. being so depressed that he can't even hang out with his friends. What was it like coming to Vegas yeah. and being in those in that convention center where no one is wearing a mask and it's like, it's um, like nothing for, ever happened. You know, it was really, uh, I, I probably came to the States eight times in the last two years. You know, my dad lives there, a family, you know, um, I like to hunt, you know, in Mississippi with Mossy Oak and I have friends. So, you know, for me, it was really just an escape and the States was, I would come home and just, you know, just say land of the free. Like I'm so happy coming to visit. Right. Um, but yeah, like it's just, it's been just so hard here. Um, you know, 
I, I, I guess our healthcare can't keep up with, you know, what's going on. So they just lock us down. And, and, you know, because healthcare is free here, everyone thinks it's the greatest healthcare in the world where it's actually not, you know, we don't have uh, the capacity to deal with the problems that, you know, COVID presented. So, um, you know, the government officials just, just locked us down and because Ontario where I live is, is the biggest, uh, population, uh, largest population in the country, we had the you know most severe lockdowns, uh, some of the most severe lockdowns in the world. You know, I think next to Australia, we were up there. Um, and my restaurant is still to this day, 50% capacity. Um, they say they're lifting that on Thursday of this week and then lifting all restrictions except for masks on the March the 1st. So uh, again, with their two weeks, everything's two weeks. Uh, <laughs> Did you see um, the Super Bowl? Oh man, I tweeted about it saying like, this is ridiculous. Like legally so, yeah. we can't have more than 10 people in our house, but our neighbors, to, you know, a couple hours away on a plane, uh, you know, are having, you know, 70,000 person events. So it's, it's just 70, extremely frustrating. people, all celebrities yeah. there, not one of them wearing a mask, yeah. but guess what? Those no. kids in LA woke up yeah. on Monday morning and put a mask on to go to school. How freaking hypocritical me. is that? It, it, just, it just kills me. And my oh son's my afraid to get out of the truck. You know, when I drop him off at school, sometimes um, he's afraid, you know, he's putting his mask on the truck. I'm like, dude, you're outside for 10 minutes before the bell rings. And said, oh, well, my teachers want us to wear masks when we line up and it's just easier this way. And like, they've just programmed these poor kids to, and you know, we can see it in the school, his school has suffered. It's, you know, I think a large part of learning is, you know, you lip read while you're listening to somebody and you can't see right. someone's lips move when you're wearing a mask. And it's, you know, I can't imagine being a kid in school and having to wear one. It's just awful. Um, yeah. Yeah. You know, it's, they've, they've, they've imposed all these lockdowns and they've just had, you know, they're huge stealing their innocence effects. is what they're doing. And, yeah. and, you know, unfortunately they'll never get that part of their childhood back that they've, it's been yeah. altered. My, yeah. My daughter lost uh, lost out on she had no prom graduating high school and she missed her entire first semester at university mm. uh, where she was supposed to go to residence and move, you know, move a couple hours away from home. And, um, you know, and, and instead she was stuck at home, uh, you know, uh, online learning. And it's really, you know, it's it's really subpar, um, you know, experience and learning, uh, you know, trying to work off home online on a computer. It's not, not the same. And she's taking some biology courses and labs and things and where you really need to be in person. So, um, yeah, yeah, we're, we're, we're fed up and, you know, you, a lot of people are fed up anyway. The ones that aren't profiting from this are, are fed up. And, you know, right now in our news, you can see that there's truck convoys and massive protests and encampments and everything else going on in our capital. We had on one of the um, guys that's been in Ottawa since the beginning on uh yeah. justified day 17, right? Oh, really? Yeah. yeah, it's 17 days now. They've been like living on the on the street in Ottawa with campers and in their. You trucks know what he and... said? He said that it was like everyone went from being a zombie, like over the last two years, to hugging and high fiving. And he said it was just like having physical interaction with people, touching another human being, is like mm -hmm. it got him out of the throes of depression. And he said, "I didn't even realize yeah. I was depressed. I was just in this malaise." Yeah. Of, this life yep. is not what totally. it's supposed to be. And he said, now that totally. Canada is throwing this huge party and the national yep. pride, he said, there's flags everywhere. Um, yeah. And the truckers don't seem like they're going anywhere until they get what they want. Yeah. No. So, the world is watching, man. And, and those, God bless yeah. those truckers. They are, they are doing, you know what? Work. I, uh, 
I was going to the store, uh, just a hardware store to pick up some stuff. And um, there was about 50 uh, farm tractors coming down, getting off the highway and coming down uh, the street, like right near my house. And I, I've been seeing the news and seeing the truckers and, and uh, you know, it's, it's taboo to support them. People are pissed. Um, and uh, I just got this, I almost was like emotional. Like I almost had a tear in my, eye because it was just like this, hope that like mm. somebody is actually trying to do something to stop these mandates and um for for people that haven't lost a dime at work um uh, you know don't have kids or they you know now they enjoy working at home or their online business is thriving um you know they think these lockdowns are great and they're safe in their home they're making tons of cash and they can't uh sympathize with people like me whose lives have you know almost been destroyed like we were very lucky at the restaurant um we were able to survive we lost a ton of money but we didn't uh we didn't ever go broke you know we're not in the red we didn't um have to use loans and stuff that the government was helping out with mm -hmm. but you know we lost a ton of cash we were trying to open up a second restaurant and that's all gone um you know my my son was depressed and crying all the time because he you know was hockey five nights a week he was playing competitive hockey done instantly um, you know, and, and he, he, you know, going from, uh, you know, crazy athlete, uh, to no physical exertion whatsoever. It, it was also winter. So, you know, we're, we've got like two feet of snow. Um, we weren't allowed to go to the outdoor ice rinks, you know, so like, you know, five nights a week, extreme activity to no activity was difficult. You know, it's extremely mm -hmm. hard for anybody. You know, I gained weight, um, gym with gyms being closed, you know, just, it was yeah. just a psychological nightmare for everybody. So I think, you know, it, you know, what these people are doing create a lot of hope for people. Um, but, you know, what really sucks is there's, you know, a couple of bad apples that ruin it for the group. You know, they're labeling them as white supremacists and some, you know, idiot was flying a Nazi flag and, you know, those people should be arrested and taken away. Like it's just ridiculous. Yeah. And, yeah. You know, then then the media paints them all. You know, it's a white supremacist movement. All the, this, the guy that we BS, had on so. uh, last week, he told me as far as that swastika that everyone was reporting yeah. on, he yeah. said that they planted that there. Like he said, oh, no, for one, sure. I no one there it, had yeah. a swastika. No. no one there is doing anything no. but loving each other. And that he yeah. said that they had somebody fly that thing, probably paid them a bunch of money to put it up, and then it just yeah. they took it down, and then yeah, no and they had a, C a CBC reporter following them around and, and making it news. And yeah. you know, Canada's such a multicultural place, you know, and and you can see from the photos that are down there that people are taking and sharing online. Uh, you know, there is Asian people there, Indian people there, you know, Sikh people there with turbans. There is black people, like every every religion and culture is down there protesting these mandates and. You know, trying to make it about race is just absolutely ridiculous. You know, yeah. it's yeah. Uh, uh, it's just whatever. So well, you know what? I think I Trudeau think that, got COVID while this was all going down. I know. I'm yeah. sure he's had his eighth <laughs> allegedly shot by now. <laughs> <laughs> allegedly, yeah. He he ran and hid, and he's still hiding. You know, and I think today they're actually saying he's invoking, uh, you know, the Emergencies Act across the whole country, which is designed for like, you know, war times. Um, you know, the, the, the best part about this was the tow trucks refused to, to remove the trucks. Um, you know, you need, and you need specialized tow trucks to remove these huge haulers yeah. and they just refused. They actually told the, a lot of them told the mayor that they had COVID and they couldn't work, uh, which I thought was brilliant. Um, you know, and uh, unfortunately, you know, the border blockades have, you know, real negative effects for a lot of people. Um, so, you know, I think, 
though you know those are difficult to support you know um you know whether they're actually getting stuff done or not you know i don't know but i you know people shifts at the factories are being closed we're having problems getting food across and, and all yeah. of our trade is being disruptive disrupted so so how has that affected I, has that affected you guys at uh, at antler yet as far as i know that you sell uh, obviously a lot of venison which i have to assume is probably red stag and then what and maybe even ducks too where do you guys get that stuff from um and has it affected you yet yeah so our all of our meat um, and fish is actually local canadian um the bison uh, is from alberta so again still canadian um you know some of our dry goods might come from the states here and there but again we're, we're trying to use mostly canadian stuff um, some of the produce right now would definitely be from the states um, you know we do try and use you know root veg that's cellared um, and cold storage uh, over the winter like you know beets and squash and things like that but um, you know for sure definitely some of our stuff comes from the states um, our you know we haven't noticed any disruptions yet you know the, the border crossing you know locations that are closed um, you know aren't the one closest to us so I think we're sort of lucky there but um, you know it's, uh, it's definitely disrupting a lot of people's lives so it's you know and our prime minister's not doing anything really, you know, all they wanted was to talk and, you know, they've refused to talk to these people. So, yeah. um, you know, they're demanding that all mandates be ended immediately. Um, you know, and maybe, maybe that is unreasonable, you know, I don't know, but you know, I'm not the one down there and I'm not the one in a position to make any difference. So the people that are need to go down there and talk to them yeah. is how yeah. I feel. And, and they're not, they're hiding from it and trying to vilify them in the media and, it's just a, it's a cluster. <laughs> yeah. well, so, <laughs> so you guys, but you do sell uh, the, the biggest thing on your menu. Your number one seller is what? Venison? You know what? It used to be venison. Now the bison ribeye is really, really popular. Okay. Um, so it's, it's sort of a tie, you know, between the venison dish and the bison ribeye. And is that red stag on the venison it. side? Yes. Yeah. Okay. So red deer. Yeah, we're you know I don't think we're allowed to farm you know things like whitetail and stuff that is uh, no yeah no natural around us so um, there's there's elk there's a lot of elk farms here uh, which is actually interesting um, and then uh, I think for deer they're worried about CWD so they're um, they bring in like red stag or mm-hmm. I think some places have the the Sitka or Sika deer uh-huh. okay uh, uh-huh. as well so yeah um, okay well let's do this let's uh, take a break we'll get away from the political side of things and we'll actually talk about Mm -hmm. how your hunting season was oh awesome for sure perfect and that segment brought to you by america's coffee company of course i'm talking about black rifle coffee veteran owned and operated they just went public last week i don't know if y'all saw that but uh yeah the the black rifle crew they're ringing the bell on the new york stock exchange big deal i already bought some stock not gonna lie um but besides all that they still have the best roast available so support your veterans support black rifle and save 20 percent off any roast uh any swag any gear that you see on their website just use that promo code lone star 20 and you will save 20 percent off your entire black rifle coffee order we'll be right back with more from the hunter chef on sci's lone star outdoor show Feeling my wings, seeing everything. Finally, some light at the end of the tunnel. On the comeback, landed on my feet. Who am I kidding? 
Hey guys, Cable here, and if you're listening to this show, you probably like ARs. And I'm not talking about antler restrictions, I'm talking about, you know, ARs, modern sporting rifles. And Timber Creek Outdoors has the best way I've found to take your AR to the next level. It's the Enforcer Kit. It features high-end performance parts and jaw-dropping looks. It's perfect for sportsmen, competitors, firearms, enthusiasts, and people who trust their lives to their equipment, like you and I. When combined together, these parts improve usability, as well as ergonomics, big word there, and dependability of any small-framed modern sporting rifle. Timber Creek products are manufactured by Americans in the USA, God bless America, and they implement uncompromising quality control and offer a lifetime warranty. They've got a bunch of different color options, something for everybody. I've got a Hunter Green Enforcer Kit on my 224 Valkyrie. Absolutely love it. You will too. Check out the Enforcer Kit at TimberCreekOutdoorsInc.com. If you're looking to remodel your home, add a deck or arbor to the back patio, redo your fence, or build your dream home from the ground up, look no further than ECR Construction Group. My longtime bow hunting buddy, Josh Brown, is someone you can trust to deliver honest work on time. ECR Construction Group also serves the North Texas area, specializing in roofing, barn dominium builds, painting, and carpentry. So for your next project, call the folks I trust. That's ECR Construction Group at 214-400-1444 or ecrcg.com. In the market for a compact track loader, then check out the Bobcat Advantage, where Bobcat track loaders squared off against other brands in a variety of tests and challenges. Whether you're looking for performance advantages, uptime protection, or quality design, Bobcat compact track loaders are the best-built machines in the industry. But don't take our word for it. Watch the videos at BobcatAdvantage.com or see Bobcat machines in person at Bobcat of North Texas in Louisville, Fort Worth, Cedar Hill, Longview, McKinney, Paris, and Sherman. Visit BobcatOfDallas.com today. Hi folks, Roland Martin here, and you're listening to the Lone Star Outdoor Show. We're going down to the river, gonna have us a little fun. Gonna do all the things that we just can't do at home. Gonna with my line, gonna have a good time, gonna milk it for all it's worth. Gonna give me a little peace. Honor. Cable Smith, welcome in everybody back into SCI's Lone Star Outdoor Show, presented by Mossberg Firearms. Bo Phillips, peace on earth. I think, I think we could all use a little more peace on earth. <laughs> uh, every day it seems like it's something new. What a crazy time in history that we live in. Uh, but got to keep fighting the good fight. Our kiddos are depending on us. Otherwise, we're leaving them just a s-hole. And I don't want to do that, not from a, a father's perspective and certainly not from a uh, hunting or conservation perspective either. So what will that legacy be? Uh, well, I know it won't be a good one if we don't keep fighting. That is for sure. So uh, anyway, we're going to pick it back up with the Hunter Chef, our good friend Michael Hunter. First, though, this segment brought to you by Stealth Cam and the Fusion Wireless Trail Camera. You can pick one up for under 150 bucks these days. A great price for a cell camera. And uh, you can check out their entire lineup of trail cameras right there at StealthCam.com. All right. Well, Michael, uh, let's talk about your 2021 hunting season. I know you came down to Texas. I saw you elk hunting in Colorado. It seems like you were all over the map. Oh, Texas was incredible. I loved it. <laughs> there was a lot of animals. <laughs> yeah. Oh, it's target rich environment. What you were hunting whitetail? Yeah. So it was uh it was a whitetail and hog hunt. Nice. Um 
Yeah. And uh, I, w- I just couldn't believe, you know, the amount of deer uh, that we saw. You know, I, I've had seasons here, you know, our coyote population is through the roof. I'm actually going coyote hunting tomorrow. Um, but uh, it's really hurt our deer population. Um, you know, loss of habitat, farmlands are being turned into subdivisions and things like that. And, you know, I'm, I'm closest to the biggest city in the country. So, um, you know, urban sprawl has taken over, I think, some of their habitat. And uh, I've gone hunting for, you know, our rifle and gun season for two weeks and, you know, haven't seen a shootable deer. So going to Texas and, you know, basically grocery shopping for the oldest mature <laughs> buck you can find, uh, was just incredible and just to see their behavior and see them in the rut and you know see bucks chase off other bucks like that's not something uh, I get to see very often so you know just being a part of that was was really really cool um, you know and the hog hunting we don't there has been sightings uh, for hogs here recently um, it used to be you could shoot on site any time of year with no tag mm-hmm. now they've banned it thinking that they're going to trap them all so there was a big sighting with you know 13 animals or something um with feral hogs and the the ministry of natural resources uh claim to have trapped them all uh but they're actually they want you to call them in uh to call in sightings and they'll come and try and trap them as wouldn't it be better if you called in after you shot two of them yeah like, oh there was 13 but yeah. don't worry i helped yeah. you out now there's only 11 so what they're saying is with their studies that when you actually shoot at them and you know you shoot a couple of them uh, that herd will then disperse and start creating two new herds. Um, that is their argument. So, you know, um, we'll see what happens. I don't find that to be true. I've shot at, no. at a sounder and shot yeah. two or three of them. And then yeah. you know, they're gone for a day or two. And then every one of them is back. Cause there, you can yeah. see like, if there's like a white spotted one in there, you, well, that's really unique. Well, how yeah. many was it with last time? Well, there was 15 of them. Now there's yeah. 13. Cause you shot two and the other 13 are right back. They're the still there. Yeah. yeah. It's just like, <laughs> Uh, it sounds like the yeah, crap. so yeah so we'll see you know i think when it gets to a point uh when they're really bad they're gonna have to let uh, uh hunters try and take them out and you know i think for me you know i know in the states they do they do you know billions of dollars of ag- agricultural damage um but you know for hunters here i you know it's very difficult to get permission on farmland to hunt and i think if if pigs are destroying farmland i think farmers are going to you know welcome hunters to come and help with the problem so you know maybe it's um uh maybe it's a good thing you know i don't know are you guys allowed to lease land in your province because i had a girl on uh, a couple oh like a month ago and she had shot Mm -hmm. last year the biggest non-typical white-tailed deer ever killed by a female bow hunter and she told me that she was not allowed to pay the landowner for the right to lease the property i don't know you know they're um you know, you can lease, you can lease land here. Yeah. You can lease people's homes to live in and stuff like that. I know for sure. Um, I, you know, people, it's not very common here that people lease land to hunt, um, you know, at least in my circles uh, and people that I know, um, all of our, unless you're a guide, I know a lot of guides will, uh, you know, profit share and things like that with the farmer's land that they're using. Um, you know, we hunt a lot of geese and ducks and stuff like that on public land, um, but also, uh, you know, over water. Um, but um, a lot of the farmers do hate the geese because they will rip up all their winter wheat and they will do damage. So uh, we do get permission uh, from farmers to hunt and we hunt, you know, for free. Um, you know, we'll bring them a bottle of scotch at Christmas or uh, drop off some goose sausage and stuff like that, which they appreciate. Yeah. Um, but we don't, uh, you know, a lot of the property that I hunt deer on, 
is either public land or, you know, family, friends, property, or friends kind of hunt camps. Um, mm. And it's all, you know, unless somebody owns it, it's, it's generally free, but it's, it's difficult. It's very hard, especially now. Um, you know, a lot of people from the cities are moving out to the country and they're not okay with hunting. So it's, I've lost a lot of property just because people have moved and the new owners don't go, aren't uh, into it. So. Yeah. Oh, interesting. Now you also went, uh, you also went elk hunting. I did my first elk hunt this year. Yeah. It was unbelievable. Um, so three forks ranch in Colorado, uh, oh, yeah. three forks, they are, uh, there. they, yeah. they are, uh, you know, real professional, uh, you know, uh, uh, luxurious outfit, <laughs> you know, um, I've done a lot of moose hunts, you know, here, which were in tents and cots and, and some of that, which is fun. And I love that style of hunting. Um, but you know, I've never really d- uh, been on a big game guided hunt. So it was, uh, you know, it was luxury, you know? You know, riding so I to told the you they didn't the let me into the. Uh, they have that cabin way out <laughs> in the sticks, the main, right? And, it, and it's nice main, enough. I mean, yeah, they yeah. still have a professional chef and everything. And the reason why I got yeah. to go on this hunt was because of Hurricane Harvey. Uh, okay. My buddy's dad had purchased. The, I think they were like nine thousand dollars at the time. And yeah. Colorado has this unique deal where if you open up your land to public hunters at the, in the late mm-hmm. season. They'll let yeah. you rifle hunt the rut on your private property. So we're rifle yeah. hunting, bugling bulls. It's insane. Seeing more elk than I've yeah. ever seen. Um, yeah. But they, so in where we were staying, it was nice, right? But dude, yeah. the lodge, they had a, the, a uh, their main lodge. Yeah, yeah the main lodge. They had a fly fishing thing <laughs> going on there. And it's yeah. like each, each guy had their own guide and their own one mile stretch of this little snake river that the yeah. former CEO <laughs> of Gander Mountain had restored to the tune of $1 million per mile. Yeah, uh, and oh, there's like, uh, uh, there's a little documentary about it on Masio Go app. Okay. Uh, the the river restoration project is on. Uh, there's a little documentary on it. It's really neat. Well, they wouldn't let us near the the trout fishermen. They're like, no, you. you. We're like, this is a nine thousand dollar hunt. We're, we're, this isn't a destitute yeah. group of people over here. And they're like, no, no, no. <laughs> Those are like upper crust. We, you guys, stay up there in the woods. We're gonna the fly fishermen are over here in the. You know, well, probably apparently getting... they they told me that the the fly fishermen, uh, you know, they start they start fights with the hunters, you know, which is oh. mind boggling. But they wouldn't like the way <clears> that <throat> I treat a trout, that's for sure. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, I know the catch and release thing. I don't really understand that, but hey, it's, it's going in a skillet, uh, buddy. Yeah, yeah, uh, I get. I'm all for conservation, but uh, you know, I want to keep one at least. Yeah, you know, like yeah. let us yeah. let us eat one. You know. Oh, they would freak out. They're probably using oh, barbless yeah. hooks too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, BC, where my uh, where my wife's from, um, they have to use barbless hooks. That's uh, and it's difficult, you know. And what's better, you know, ripping a bunch of lips on fish trying to catch in a barbless hook, or just catching one and getting it out and putting it back? Like, right? I don't right. know. I think yeah. it's uh, that's weird. Oh, well, it makes people Whatever. feel good, you know. And I've released yeah. tons of trout. I'm not trying to eat them all, like you said. No, yeah, exactly. I, you know, but, if we eat them all, they're not there for our kids. But mm-hmm. you know, uh, you know, if there's a limit of one, uh, like I just got back from North Carolina, a, a swan hunt, and you get one. Yeah. Um, <laughs> you know, and it was a long drive for one bird, but it was amazing. It was, it was so, a really cool bird. They're huge. Here's the question: um, Are you getting mm-hmm. that swan mounted, or did you eat it? You know what? So I'm actually, that was only a couple of weeks ago. So it's, and it's minus 13 today. So it is hanging in my garage. I'm aging it. Um, and I'm going to eat it, but I did cut the head off. I left like 
you know, six to eight inches on the neck. I'm going to make a, a taxidermy bookend with the head because oh, cool. it <laughs> yeah, was uh, it, the guide said it had this really large teardrop. Um, the tundra swan has a yellow teardrop under their eye, uh-huh. um, which I think when they're very old and mature, it's like kind of like almost like a band around their whole beak. Um, but he's had, he's never seen one with a teardrop kind of the size that I, uh, mine was. So I, I figured, okay, well, at least I'll mount something, um, oh, that's from cool. it. So yeah. I thought that'd be, you're that'd probably be, you in know, the vast minority of people because those tags are so hard to get. Like you yeah. having to literally draw to go hunt one yeah. bird and then yeah. most, it's mostly a collector's hunt. Uh, yeah. now if you get it, if you've done it before and you have one mounted, I'm like, well, oh, yeah, I'll eat that thing. But good on you. You're probably, you're probably in the vast minority as far as, uh, yeah, it was definitely, it's a, it's a, it's a, it's a special thing that, you know, in England, apparently they used to be a, a, you know, a delicacy and reserved for royal dinners. So that's what, you know, as a chef really piqued my interest to mm-hmm. see what the, what the hype is about. But I'm um, sure that you've looked yeah. historically at like, uh, my favorite is to go look there's an old, um, I think it's the, the Waldorf, um, something. Oh, the, 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 the Waldorf Astoria. Hotel. Waldorf Astoria. Okay. And you yeah, can go Waldor- and look on yeah, there. The Waldorf or something. Yeah, that's like right. That. Mm-hmm. And you can go and look on their menu from like the, the 1915 or something. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and there's canvas back duck on there. Okay. Oh, wow. And it's cost more than filet mignon. Right. And you wonder why we almost market hunted a lot of these ducks to extinction. Well, if you're getting, yeah double the price for a canvas back of what you would get for a a prime cut of filet mignon beef yeah uh it's just crazy to think like what uh yeah how people's taste buds have changed a lot of people today be like i don't want to eat wild duck that tastes like a a shoe well you don't know how to cook it right um and you've we've gotten so far away from what wild will be what would people would consider wild uh, meat tastes like so I love canvas back. I think it's phenomenal. You know what? I haven't shot one yet. They, they're they not really, my friend actually shot one with me um, over his, uh, the, there's a big lake in front of his cottage in a marsh that we hunt. And he's grown up there. He's, you know, his whole life been hunting there and it's the first one he's ever seen. Oh. Uh, so he lost it and was freaking out that he shot this thing. And then uh, I went on one, a hunt down near, so Lake Erie, there's a big kind of flight path. Yeah. Um, and uh you can have an opportunity to shoot them there the day that i was there um we could see them but they were about a mile up and they weren't coming down and we were just shooting kind of puddle ducks and there's some divers and stuff but um yeah so they're uh they're definitely that one's on my bucket list because i've heard the same thing that they are sort of the champion of eating ducks oh they are and you know when most people don't associate diving ducks with great table fare but yeah, uh, they get they get an unwarranted bad rap. There's no doubt. Right. Um, so right. you did get an elk though. We got kind of sidetracked. I did. Yeah, I know. <laughs> we went off there, but yeah. So you know, for me, the first day we saw a herd of about seventy. You know, just hearing all the cows and and uh, and animals like talking to each other. Like I'd never experienced like that. The, you know, the little like meow and the <laughs> sort of sounds that they make was yeah. really just spectacular to watch them kind of chit chat with each other and. Uh, you know, you could smell the herd. It was, it was, it was wild. Um, And, you know, there was a beauty of a bull, you know, big 10 standing there that I was quite happy to shoot. Um, And our guide was like, no, no, it's day one, you know, well, well, there's bigger ones here. Um, You know, so I reluctantly listened to him and then uh, was regretting it for the next two days because, um, you know, the the, uh, altitude there was really messing me up, Um, you know, just physically, 
you know, I'm not in the best shape that I should have been going. I wasn't, you know, aware of how physically demanding the hunt was going to be. You know, we had side by sides and we'd just take it to the bottom of the mountain and then hike the mountain. So, um, yeah, I wasn't, uh, I wasn't in the best of shape and, uh, you know, I was, I almost shot a, you know, one or two year old because <laughs> I was just like, I am done. <laughs> um, but, uh, you know, luckily I think it was day four, uh, I killed a nice mature, uh, six by five. So, nice. Uh, and he was and he, I think he ended up being bigger than the one we saw on the first day. So, and you had um, all the meat shipped to Canada no so i tried and it was a nightmare um ups fedex everybody would they no one could uh confirm that it wasn't going to get stuck in customs and i called customs i was on the phone with border control and it was just a mess uh, so i ended up uh i flew back there on points and just uh i did like a 36 hour trip to go get my meat and as long as the meat's with you crossing the border frozen and labeled and everything you're fine and eat with the tag you're fine to fly it or drive it across the border so ah, okay. that's what i did yeah mm. so it's a bit of a yeah, drag because um, i've, yeah, I've come back with a black bear from alberta before yeah and um and then but when i shot my uh moose in uh newfoundland yeah um I did have it shipped on an 18 wheeler back here. They shipped like all their hunters for the season and it's, yeah. they stopped oh, that's awesome. like four or five cities. And yeah, it was awesome. Yeah. They said, yeah, your meat will be back like around December 28th. And like yeah. on the 27th, I get a phone call. It's like, Hey, yeah. your meat's here. And I was like, Oh, oh I gotta awesome. go buy a new freezer because I don't yeah. have tons. Moose. I don't have a moose no. freezer. <laughs> no, there's tons of me. And, and that, and you know what? I'd had friends that had stuff shift and they said that they would try um but you know it uh, they said there was a, a possibility that it was going to be um it could get stuck in customs so i didn't want to take that risk but um, so yeah as we're uh wrapping up here michael what what hunts you say oh you said you're going to go coyote uh coyote hunting tomorrow yeah before i ask the next question would you or have you eaten a coyote you know what i haven't um i've shot a wolf before and uh, it was you know they stink right it's like a yeah. it's like an old boar so or at least this wolf stank anyway um where'd you shoot the wolf so you know what uh, alberta so i was bear hunting and we stuck the bear guts out the, and i guess the outfitter had a pile going for a while and the wolves uh -huh. have been hitting it um and yeah i just i got you know i shot a bear within like half an hour of being there uh and then i shot a wolf of like an hour of sitting out there like it was it was pretty bizarre oh um, that's cool so, I got my yeah, wolf was, in British Columbia, and yes, oh, it, it cool. did have a, a pungent. Smell. Yeah, they stink. So you know, I I would definitely try it. You know, I'm not uh, I'm not really you know like the swan. I'm not like oh I have to go and eat eat this. Um, you know, a friend of mine, you know Jeremiah Dowdy, um, you know he's eating it. It makes chili and I've snack seen and his, and stuff with his it. coyote yeah. turkey posts. I'm just yeah like, yeah. But I've so, also you know eaten what? bobcat. Uh, I ate a lynx when I was up there in BC, and I uh, ate the mountain lion that I shot. So yeah, I've eaten apparently a lot the mountain lion's great. So yeah, you know, I'm not, a, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not opposed to it. Um, I just, I've never tried it. All right, you um, cook you know, it all year. How about that? Yeah, exactly. All right. <laughs> <laughs> um, and yeah, some a lot of the coyotes here have mange, and they're not like they're just gross. So yeah. Um, so what other hunts do you have lined up for? What's the next thing on your uh, calendar? Um, so the 27th, I think of February, we get a seven day nuisance goose hunt. Um, and then we're actually able to shoot 10 per day, uh, during that week. So we try to hit them pretty hard. Um, and the farmers like that one too. Um, uh, 
you know, a lot of the winter wheat will come out in the spring. Um, and they've, you know, where we hunt, there's tons of geese and they'll just decimate, you know, crops for the farmers. So, um, you know, they like us to come out there and shoot them. Um, after that, uh, I think it's just Turkey, to be honest. Yeah. I'm, I'm hosting actually some friends from Brazil and, uh, we know we're going to do a dinner at antler and, and do some Turkey hunting. Um, awesome. Which awesome. is fun. Yeah. My, my friend's a member of SCI in Brazil. So, uh, he's, he's gone all over the world hunting, but he's never shot a Turkey. So I, I get to help him check that off his list. So I've been to Brazil a few times for mission trips mm-hmm. when I was younger Okay, and, uh, yeah. did some gigging. I mean, literally I gave a guy a soccer ball and we're in the middle of the Amazon. Right. It's like on a medical, yeah. uh, dental slash mission trip. Um, and my mom was doing dental work on all these people and we were kind of just playing soccer and handing out fishing tackle. And I gave this guy a soccer ball and that yeah. evening he's like, he paddles up to our, our houseboat. He's, mm-hmm. And through a translator, he's like, Hey, he wants you to come fishing with him. I was like, okay. And so we get, we have a spotlight and we're gigging basically fish that would, you would see in an aquarium in the United States, like a placostomus, like a sucker fish. <laughs> and, uh, and then, and then all of a sudden he's like, he says, be quiet. And freaking before I even know what happens, he reaches down and grabs a four foot Cayman alligator and throws it in the bottom of the boat. And they <laughs> wow. don't do catch and release. Like that was dinner, you know? Like, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and then he, and then he let me catch one. It wasn't a four footer. Mine was like a foot and a half, but, uh, yeah, yeah, it was, uh, it was cool. <laughs> um, well, right on. Where can people find you, my friend? Um, so yeah, I'm pretty much all social media handles are at the hunter chef. Um, at thehunterchef.com, there's links to my store and links to Amazon and, you know, everywhere the book is sold. Um, and yeah, if you're ever in Toronto on a vacation or business, you can come to Antler and say hi. I will, I will do it once they let me in without the shot. How about that? <laughs> Sounds once, good, uh, my friend. We need to get rid of Trudeau. <clears throat> um, you are uh, on the right uh, path there with millions of other Canadians. <laughs> <laughs> All right, buddy. Well, hey, it was great uh, just actually getting to sit down and, and visit in Vegas. And, and thanks for making time to tape it all again here. Absolutely, uh, man. Yeah, I appreciate you. Thanks, man. You too. All right. Take care. Okay, brother. So there you have it. The Hunter Chef, Michael Hunter, uh, jumping on from Ontario, the land of the lockdown. <laughs> hey, to make it a uh, you know politics unfortunately sometimes mix with hunting especially when it's uh, our rights being infringed on and owning a wild game restaurant I mean Michael has had a target on his back from day one uh, anti-hunters animal rights activists protesting outside of his restaurant uh, you've probably seen or at least heard about the guy that butchered the uh, the deer in front of the window where the people were protesting, uh, that was Michael, and uh, ultimately ended up on Joe Rogan's podcast as a result. Um, but yeah, fascism is alive and well in Canada, and I hate it because I love to hunt and fish in Canada. I typically go twice a year, no lie, until COVID happened. And so it, it affects, of course, Michael, it affects so many American hunters, and more importantly, what about all those guides and outfitters that have just had their asses handed to them financially because half of Americans won't get vaccinated to go hunt in Canada or go fish in Canada. And I don't blame them. So, um, unfortunately, like I said, politics do mix with hunting 
uh, and today we had to get into it. Um, that segment brought to you by John X Safaris. Hey, you don't have to get vaccinated to go to South Africa. I'll tell you that much. Uh, I went twice last year. I'm not getting vaccinated, and I'm going back in July, July 25th through August 2nd. If you want to join me, uh, shoot me an email, LoneStarOutdoorShow at gmail.com. And here's the cool thing. The first night in camp, we're going to raffle off a uh, $3,500 voucher. Basically, your stay, your pH, your daily fee, all that, one of you guys is just going to get that covered free. So, uh, yeah, first night in camp, raffling off a $3,500 voucher, but you have to be in camp for a chance to win. So, anyway, if you've always dreamed of hunting Africa, shoot me an email, LoneStarOutdoorShow at gmail.com. And uh, I will shoot you the info on Safari number, God, is this Safari number seven with John X Safaris? I don't know. It's a lot, and I love it. Can't wait to go back. Um, thanks to our guest today, Michael Hunter. Thanks to all of our sponsors for making this show possible. Thanks to you, the listener, for being a part of SCI's Lone Star Outdoor Show. Until next time, I'm Cable Smith saying, y'all have a great week in the outdoors. I'm taking a bar exam under a neon sign. I'm going to graduate when you're off my mind. In this honky-tonk school, we got a hell of a band. Drink by drink, taking a bar sound. I know beer.